So today is the second, as Isaac gave us uh, during the gospel reading, is the second Sunday of Lent where we talked about temptation. And there's a lot going on in the church, and there's a lot going on in our church specifically, right? Um, this week, we started a book club, right? Um, just a plug into this book right here, The Lenten Sprig, right? We started that on Thursday. Last week, we had um, a blessing from um, Amber Bruce, which was amazing. And he talked to us about fasting um, and prayer. And then the week before, we had our fifth year anniversary um, at CTR, right? And if you guys compare the first year that we were at bowling versus last year, we grew tremendously, right? Which is amazing, right? Our church is growing. And every time I talk to people outside of this church, the first question they always ask is, how's the church? Is the church growing? Right? That's always the first question. And I always say yes. But I think the question that people should be asking um, us or you should be asking yourself is, is the congregation of CTR growing spiritually? Right? That should be the question. Is the congregation of CTR growing spiritually? Not are we growing in numbers. Right? Growing in numbers is great but we should all be growing spiritually. And if the answer is yes, amazing, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. If the answer is no, have no fear, Lent is here, okay? And so we are going to be starting Lent here. Um, I want to talk about Lent. Um, Sayuna touched about it last week. Lent is a great time. Fasting is a great time really for you to renew your relationship with Christ, right? Renew your relationship with Christ. If you have been spending no time with him right now is the time because there aren't a lot of things going on. And also this fast period goes by very, very fast. So do not let the fast go by without you putting an effort and trying to grow spiritually. For the next, next five weeks, we are talking about combating the passions. Okay. And today is an introduction um, where we are going to be talking about what are the passions versus comparing that to virtues. Um, and we're going to start off at the end, going into the first passion, which is gluttony. All right. And so this, I want to start off by reading this prayer. This prayer is said every single Sunday, right at the, uh, in the basal liturgy. And it is said by the priest. It is a silent prayer. Um, we know that the priest says silent prayers, mystical prayer, prayers, and audible prayers, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he says this every Sunday, and this is said after the fraction, after we say our father who art in heaven. Okay. And this is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Uh, does anybody want to read for us? No. Okay. I'll read it. All right. Yeah. We ask you, oh, holy father, the good one who loves goodness, lead us not into temptation or let any iniquity rule over us, but deliver us from worthless works and from the thoughts, motions, sights, and touches thereof. Destroy the tempter, and drive him away from us. Rebuke also his movements implanted in us and cut off from the cut, cut off from us the impulse which drag us into sin and deliver us by your holy power in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. This is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. The part that I want to focus on is and rebuke also his movements. Rebuke the tempter, right? The devil's movements implanted in us. And when you think of something that is implanted or something that you plant, it wants to what? It wants to grow, right? So the fact that the devil is trying to implant thoughts, motions, sights, and touches in us is a very scary thing, right? When you have something foreign enter the body, 
that is a virus, right? And so what does the body do when a virus enters the body is you try to fight it, right? You try to combat it. And so these, right, what the, what the devil is implanting in us are the passions, right? And the passions that, are, that control our thoughts, our emotions, our sights, and our touches, all right? And so now what we're going to learn over the next couple of weeks is how do we combat these passions and what are these passions, all right? So in order for us to know what a passion is, first we should learn what a virtue is, okay? And St. Basil the Great says, when we take a virtue is when we take the faculties and gifts that God created inside us, when he created us in his image and use those same faculties and gifts to be able to turn towards God and to turn into his likeness. So basically taking these faculties, taking our thoughts, our emotions, our sights, and our spiritual gifts to get closer to him. That is a virtue, right? Taking your gifts to then get closer to Christ. All right? So that's a virtue. What is a passion? The opposite. It's the opposite. Yep. What, yes, yes. Something that will benefit us to get closer to God. Yes, 100%. Yep, yep. No, you're absolutely right. And so a passion is then the opposite of a virtue, right? It's we take our God-given faculties and gifts and turn towards something that is temporal, that is created, instead of using them towards the creator, okay? So it's basically taking our gifts to then develop, right, to use our gifts for ourselves, right? So virtues, you use your gifts to get closer to God passions you use to get to get yourself to um to use them for yourself right to develop your successes for yourself to develop your riches right um to use your anger towards other humans right to only think of money and greed so virtues get us closer to god passions get us closer to ourselves right are more for ourselves right and it's important to know that we were never part that Passions were never part of the original image of God that was placed in us, right? Um, during the prayer of reconciliation, Abuna says, Oh God, the great one who formed man in, in corruption, right? So our human nature is not to, to have these passions, right? When we sin, right, or when somebody calls me out for sinning, the first excuse I make is I'm only human, bro right? That's the first thing we say is, I'm only human. But if we know that our humanity was made not to fall into these passions, then we have to stop making excuses, right? And we stop and we need to have a new mindset that, you know what, I am human and my humanity was made in the image of God. And so that I need to stop falling into these passions, all right? So virtue is what is natural and passions are unnatural. So to be to be compa to be compassionate is natural, to be greedy is unnatural, to be loving is natural, to have hatred is unnatural, to be humble is natural, and to be filled with pride is unnatural. So let's stop saying the excuse "I'm only human" because that's not what we were intended to be. All right. So what are the virtues? Right. Virtues are you guys could call these out: obedience, right, repentance, meekness, loss of anger, simplicity humility, discernment. All these things get a, get a, move us closer to God to be in his image, right? It sets a person free from slavery of sin or objects and allows for the Holy Spirit to work within us. And St. Cyril of Alexandria says, 
The Holy Spirit dwells in the saints and remains with them forever. If they cleanse the eye of their understanding by cleaving to every sound doctrine and by res resolutely pursuing every virtue and thus maintain the grace within themselves. So a saint, the difference between a saint is a saint tries to cleanse their eye of understanding and tries to pursue every virtue. They try to be obedient. They try to repent. They try not to have anger. They try to be simple. They try to be uh, humble, right? So the passions then are different. And these are the, these are the passions that we are going to be studying the next couple of weeks. Gluttony, which we're doing today. Uh, lust, love of money and greed. Sadness, anger and fear vainglory and pride and these are the eight passions that the church um, tell us when a person is overtaken by his or her passion something unruly develops within them right you become you become an addict or a slave in the in the way you act in a way that is unnatural and the fathers of the church speak of passions as if they are turned as if they turn a person mad right and so St. Paul says this best in Romans seven fifteen when he says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do, right? So these passions are what we hate, right? Why every time I do a passion, when I yell at my mom or I yell at my dad and I go in the car, right? The first thing I say is, why am I doing this, right? I keep on doing these things. I keep on following my set. Thanks, then, right? Um, I keep on falling into these into the same routine of anger, right? But I do them, right? So St. Paul says, but what I hate, I do. And then above it says, for I want to do. I want to pray, right? I want to read my Bible. I want to read spiritual books. All these things I want to confess regularly. All these things that I want to do, I do not do, right? And so this time of Lent is the time for us to start doing the things that we want to do and actually doing them, and the things that we hate to do, which are the passions to stop doing them, all right? So we said today is the second Sunday of Lent, which is temptation, and so it's important to know how the devil then tries to implant these passions in us, and the church says that there are six stages of temptation. The first one is baiting you, right? He first puts a thought into your head, right, and he puts his thought into your head. And what this thought does is then it starts disturbing. You start thinking about it, right? It starts disturbing your inner peace. And the third one is mingling. You start thinking about the sin. He first put it in your head. It disturbs your inner peace. And then you start thinking about it. You start thinking about it and you're mingling it. And then you do the sin. And when you repeat steps one through four over and over and over again, the church says that now you are in captivity of this sin. All right, you're in captivity of this sin. The devil has you. And when you continue doing this, it is now part of who you are. So I can say, you know, I'm Abram. I'm really good. I go to church all the time, all this, but I have anger issues, right? Or you could say, I do all these things. I do all these things, but I have pride, right? And that's what a passion is. It's you're thinking you're really good, but there's a but, right? There's a but. And that but is passion. And when the passions... The, the, the church fathers say when these when when passions overtake you, it's as if you have given your key to your, the key of your heart to the devil. It's as if as you have given the key of your heart to the devil. What does that look like, right? That looks like when you invite somebody over for dinner, right? Say I invite you over for dinner. What do you have to do? You have to walk up to my doorstep. 
you have to ring the doorbell. Uh, you have to knock, first knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and then I invite you in. Okay. Now, what happens if I give you a key where now you live with me? There's no, you don't need to ring the doorbell, right? You're just, you just come in as you please, right? You don't have to tell me what time you're coming because you just come in as you please. And so the goal for us to not give our key of your heart to the devil, right? And so you have to stop doing these passions and passions and passions. So we know what a passion is, and now we know what a virtue is, okay? And we know how to identify a passion. Now the question is, how do we stop? We fight, we fight, and we fight, and we fight, and we fight, right? Because you're going to fall, and you're going to fall, and you're going to fall, but then you keep fighting, right? And how do we fight? The church tells us in the, the, the Sunday of um, uh, preparation week, the whole gospel is about praying, fasting, and almsgiving, okay? And this is how we fight. We said the first step that the way the devil tries to tempt you is he first puts what into your mind? He first puts the thought of sinning into your mind, right? So what do we have to do when this thought first comes in? Stop it, right? You stop it, right? And the someone, uh, one of the fathers gave an example as when a fly is coming into your face, right? What's the first thing you want to do? You want to whack it, whack it out, right? Whack it away, right? And that's the same thing with rid of it. You wouldn't let a fly stay on your forehead. You'd smack it away. The same thing with a sin, right? And so we pray. And our church specifically, CTR, is giving us so many resources and so many ways for us to get closer to God during this Lenten period, praying, right? When we were at St. Gregory, we went to the monastery during Lent, and we asked one of the monks, we sat with him, and we said, what is, what is the, give us one, one form of us, um, an example of us to get closer to God. And he said, attend as many liturgies as you can. And for us here at CTR, we have a liturgy on Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And if you have work, we have a five to seven liturgy. And it's beautiful. Okay. We should attend, right? Read the Bible. You know, I, I, you know, I, reading the Bible for me is, is something that I'm, I struggle with. I'm trying to do because as a dentist, I tell patients every day to brush twice a day and to floss one time a day. I say only floss the teeth you want to keep. Right. And for myself, I can't even get myself to read the Bible twice a day for my salvation. Right. Right. What's the difference between the teeth and your salvation? There is no comparison. Right. So we need to be reading our Bible twice a day. Right. If you're not reading it at all, then start with once a day. Okay. And we need a spiritual book, which is crazy because what did we just start? What did we just start? A book club, right? And it's right here. It's called the Lenten Spring. Okay. And so praying, we have no excuse, right? We have liturgies. You have our Bible. And we have spiritual books, right? Pray, pray, spend more time with God. So you get to know him because the more you spend with him, the less time you have for passions. Fast. We are fasting now. And I wrote down this quote and I don't know who wrote it, which I'm really sad about because I really like it, but it says, encounter ourselves so that we can see it. Fasting allows us to encounter ourselves so that we can see our brokenness, so that we could come in contact with our sinful habits that are unconscious, so we can become conscious of them, ultimately for us to repent of them and ask God to deliver us. Fasting is so that we can know what these passions are, so that we can start fighting these passions, so that we could repent. And the third way is almsgiving, right? Give your time, give your talents, give your money, right? To those who need it. 
and repent because you are going to fall and you're going to fall and you don't fail. You only fail when you don't get back up. So repentance does not mean giving up our passions, but rather mastering them. All right. And so that is the introduction for passions versus virtues. Do we have any questions? Talked a lot. Do we have any questions? No. No. Okay. We're going to go into gluttony. Now, when we think about gluttony, what's the first thing we think of? Food, right? Food. Okay. And who knows who this is? How about champion? How many, how many championships? This guy has eaten 76 hot dogs in, I've, I don't know how long. He takes a hot dog and he puts it in water and then he eats it, right? This guy is Joey Chestnut. He's a champion. When we think of gluttony, the first thing, he's okay. He's very healthy, actually. Um, the, first thing, the first thing we think of is food, right? Food and sweets and all that. And then who is this? That is... I just can't. It's, it's, it's very serious. I just want to take it down a bit. All right. <laughs> I love you, Kiko, so much. It's not even funny. Uh, <laughs> no. So gluttony, there's a lot of other pictures, but that was the best one. All right. Um, gluttony. So what is gluttony? Gluttony is the desire to eat with pleasure in mind. And it negates the virtue of intemperance of mouth and belly. What, is, what does intemperance mean? What does intemperance mean? Who knows? Lack of control, right? Moderation, right? Lack of control, moderation. That's what intemperance means. So when you have the, glut, the passion of gluttony, you are negating the virtue of intemperance. Okay, and so gluttony in the simplest form is eating for the sake of eating, right? It's focusing on the quality and the taste of food and eating large quantities. And we live in America where everything around us is large quantities and everything around us is sweet and everything around us is good. Now, am I saying that we should not eat, partake of those things? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in the simplest form, this is what it is. And we'll get into whether the food, right, and the body are actually wrong um, or what is it that it causes gluttony and if i could actually take out the word gluttony for this passion i would put, plug in the word overconsumption because we're using the example of food but you could use an example of whatever is consuming your life right is it scrolling on the media is it um you know binge watching um is it non-stop thinking about money it's you could really substitute gluttony for the word overconsumption. And then Philippians tells us, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have for have us for pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, who, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, right? That's scary to think, whose God is their belly. Right. And so, um, yeah. So if, is the, uh, dang it, I was gonna, so is the body, the problem is, is the, what do you guys think is the body, the problem, the mind, right? Very good. The body is not the problem, right? <laughs> Proof is that the passion indulges not on what is needed, 
Rather, the body is enslaved by the desire of the soul. Exactly, right? It's the soul that tells us, I like this food, right? If you are full, your body doesn't tell you anything. Your, only body, your body only tells you something when you are hungry, right? And it growls. But it's the soul that tells you, I like this food, right? I want more of this food. And so this, the, 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 the soul is telling us, oh, sorry. Yeah. And so, sorry. Wait, proof is with passion and dojus non was needed, rather that the body is enslaved by the, the desire of the soul. So if the soul is empty, right? If the soul is empty, then the body is not satisfied, right? And so there are people who eat, and this is gluttony, he eat for satisfaction, who eat for comfort, who eat for positive feelings, who eat for desire, and even eat for therapy, right? And so Evagrius Ponticus, who is a Christian monk, says, those who give but limited nourishment to their bodies and yet take thought for the flesh to satisfy its lust have only themselves to blame and not their bodies. So the body is not the issue, right? The, it's the soul. And um, Solomon says, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to an angry soul, every bitter, thing, every bitter thing is sweet. And so what we have to do is we have to control the body and we have to satisfy the soul. And so if the body isn't the problem, is food the problem? No, food is not the problem either. And I did that again. Okay, right? And so, and Matthew says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man, right? The real passion is when you look at it, the inner desire of the heart and you look at the inner intention of the human being and you ask the question, why do I approach food in a certain way, right? Why is food my comfort? Why is food my therapy? And so St. Gregory the, the Great says, vice is not in the food. Sin is not in the food, but in how one partakes of it. This is why it is entirely possible to have fine meals, okay, without any sin, whereas it can be tainted with transgression to partake of more unrefined dishes. So it's okay to have good food. God wants you to have good food. In our Christian faith, there is no haram and halal, right? We have, God gave us food and food is great, right? And so he wants us to enjoy it. But the question is not about the food and the body. The question is about your soul. What is in the soul? Is the soul fiery for God, right? Is the, full is the soul fiery for God? If it is, great, right? Then you know what to do. And you know, you can enjoy food. But if it is not, then you need to watch yourself, right? And so the church tells ourselves, gluttony is the first passion to tame. Why is gluttony the first passion to tame? Why is it on the ladder of divine ascent, right? It's the first passion listed. And every time you talk about passions, it's always the first passion listed. Why? Yes, yes, we fell. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes, very good. What else? What else? Foundation from food, very good, right? Because then also, if you can't control what goes in your mouth, how are you going to control what comes out of your mouth, right? If you can't control the simple thing of food, how are you then going to control all these other passions that are far greater? And St. Gregory the Great, oh man, I really like St. Gregory the Great on this. He says, no one who has not first prevailed over the enemy hidden among his greedy appetites can gain the upper hand in spiritual combat. It is delusions to want to engage combat with faraway powers when one is knocked down by those which are all too near. Right. And so if we can't control what we're putting in the mouth, 
how are we going to control what our eyes see, right? How are you going to control what you hear? And so this is why the church invites us really to fast two-thirds of the year, right? The church knows what it's doing. It's inviting us to fast two-thirds of the year because it wants us to control the simple things, which is food, right? And if you could control food, then you should be able to control lust because you will then have the virtue of temperance and you will also have self-control. So talking about gluttony, the whole reason we're talking about gluttony and a lot of these other passions is so that we could practice temperance, okay? We could practice temperance. And we said that temperance is what? What was temperance, George? What was temperance? Self-control, right? Moderation. And so something that we can practice during Lent is eat only when in need and renounce the pleasure, right? Eat only when in need. You don't need to go up for that second plate of food, okay? You don't need to add creamer into your sugar, right? Uh, into your coffee. You don't need to add sugar into your creamer, right? All of these things, and I'm not saying this is something that you need to do forever. This is not something that you need to do forever. Again, God wants us to enjoy, but this is something to practice, right? This is how you are going to practice self-control. If you can control these things, if you could only eat when in need and renounce the pleasure, then you'll be good. And St. Basil the Great this time says, the objective of temperance is realized thus on the one hand, one uses the simplest things that are necessary to life according to one's needs and avoiding all satiety. And on the other hand, one abstains from everything that is only for pleasure. So try to abstain from things. And I'm talking about during Lent right now, okay? Try to abstain from things that does give you pleasure, right? And try to, try to limit what we put into our food, into our plate right? And the second thing is converting the appetite back to God. If we are actually practicing temperance, we should have a lot more time, right? If I'm controlling my my media scrolling, right? If I'm more time, time. How are we going to give our appetite back to God. And we said this in the beginning, by what? By praying, fasting, almsgiving, repentance, right? This is how we are going to give our time back, right? And we could, and is this easy, right? Is this easy to do? No, this is not easy, right? So I don't want you to think that I can't control this. I, you know, this is not good. No, this is not easy. This is not an easy thing to do. And so, you know, you could think back to the the people of Israel who saw miracle after miracle, right? The people of Israel saw, the, you know, the Red Sea part. They saw, you know, Moses and the Ten Commandments. They saw the angel of death go over the homes. They saw a lot of things, right? And then they were in the wilderness and they were complaining. And they said, we should go back. Our stomachs are hungry. We should go back to the people of Egypt because at least there they had better produce right and then what did god say god brought them the manna and he said only eat of this for today do not take an abundance and did everyone listen no and so if these people who saw all these miracles more miracles than us fall we're gonna fall too and it's not easy but you got to try right you need to try and you need to get back up and so something to practice during lent is to get uncomfortable right get uncomfortable get uncomfortable because when you get uncomfortable this is how you grow all right if you get uncomfortable 
How does that look? That could say getting up 30 minutes early before you usually wake up to do what? To pray, right? You could attend the five to seven liturgy. It is very uncomfortable, but it's beautiful. Do it, right? Because it is for you. Stop snoozing, right? Get uncomfortable. How many times do we actually share the word of God with people, right? How, how often? I don't know. I don't do it often, right? But that is something that when you do, and if you add it during Lent and you get uncomfortable, this is how you're going to grow, right? And don't face it alone. As we said, the people of Israel who saw all of these uh, miracles fell. And it says in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We are an amazing community here. And I said all the things that our church is doing and we have each other's backs. You know, the girls, I think they started this thing, some of them, where they have, they like text each other, or call each other, they do something, right? To follow up with each other, right? And that is amazing. And we should do the same, right? Everyone should have somebody to keep them accountable. And also, this is a link into confession, right? If you have not confessed during Lent, right now is the time, right? Have your father of confession hold you accountable and help you and guide you through this fast. Um, and that is about it. And so I really pray that during this Lent period, we take it, we take it serious and we work on fighting these passions and increasing our virtues, because if we do increase our virtues, we will not have any time um, for these passions. And glory be to God forever. Amen. And these are some discussion questions that we have. So if we have, well, this is great. We have Well of Wisdom right here. We got other team. You guys go gather in groups and we could, if we have time, do we have time? Up to you guys. We have time. Okay, we could get into discussion groups. And these are the questions. Um, and if you have better questions, let me know. But these are the questions. Okay, so let's get together um, in our groups and discuss. So this is a group you guys got to join. That's a group right there. You guys over there, join this group right here and scatter and disperse.